This podcast is brought to you by Iman Publishing, Canada's leading independent legal publisher. Welcome to the Lawyer's Lounge, a criminal law-focused podcast. Wherever you are, whenever you are, the Lawyer's Lounge is always open. Come on in. Hey, Lisa told me to tell you this. We are not your lawyer. The Lawyer's Lounge is an entertainment podcast and is not legal advice. So Lisa and I were talking about our current predicament in Ontario. And one thing that occurred to us was that we didn't really have a good or clear sense of what was happening in other provinces, what software they're using, how they're dealing with emergency matters, whether anything else is being scheduled and proceeding, how other provinces are dealing with the impending backlog. And we thought, hey, let's just call up a few friends and see what we can uncover. So today we have someone from every province and territory in our great nation giving us a quick update on where we are in the justice system during the pandemic. Kevin Westall from BC, uh, tell us what's been going on in beautiful British Columbia. I expect it's been much the same as you guys have experienced in Ontario and across the country. Um, I guess the provincial court is at this point adjourning everything to July for the most part. I think some matters may go ahead in June, but in terms of, of stuff that's coming up sort of this week or next week, we're looking at late July to sort of reschedule provincial court trials. The Our Supreme Court, or Superior Court, is a bit different in the sense that um, it's a little bit of a Thunderdome. Um, we've got some judges going off and saying jury trials are, uh, we're going to get ready to try to run jury trials or resume jury trials at the end, or at the beginning of June. And then we're hearing other things um, from higher up the chain that it may be as late as um, September or later before a jury trial is, a new jury trial is selected or, or resuming. So um, a bit of confusion at that level and we're waiting to see. Gotcha. And what are you guys doing for bail hearings right now? Do you have video capability to be able to hold them over video? They still use the video capability in the courtrooms for the judges to see, but we're doing all of our bail hearings as counsel by telephone. It's all happening. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of the trial courts. Any Anything going on at the Court of Appeal? Court of Appeal has adopted uh, a policy, at least in the short term, that they're going to go ahead starting in, in this month, May, by Zoom. They're going to use Zoom technology and um, damn the torpedoes if somebody decides to butt in on the hearing from Albuquerque, New Mexico or something like that, but they're going to, <laughs> they're going to drive ahead with, with zoom, um, zoom appellate hearings. We don't know yet. There's going to be something distributed, I believe on next week as to what the, what the zoom rules will be. There's some mm-hmm. people as to what should be worn. Uh, can they sit down in their office or do they need to be standing up somewhere? There's a lot of, uh, concerned about um, displeasing the uh, the Court of Appeal with good reason uh, in this very strange format. Mm-hmm. And B- BC, like like Ontario, is obviously a huge province, and I imagine that Northern BC has very different realities right now than Vancouver. How are the courts communicating with practitioners across the province? And has there? I mean, I know you mentioned some variants, but 
do you feel like there has been a province-wide response to this or has it been a bit patchwork? At the provincial court level, it's been province-wide and it's been good. I mean, we're, we're smaller, you know, we're significantly smaller in, uh, in our legal, the size of our legal profession uh, here than in Ontario, for instance. And I think the provincial court has been, um, uh, we have a fantastic chief justice in, in Judge Gillespie right now, and she, she has been releasing very comprehensive notices on a regular basis. Um, and giving us a sense of the adjustment. She's also been meeting um, very regularly with stakeholders um, and defense counsel have been at the table for that from a couple of different organizations, including the Association of Legal Aid Lawyers All and uh, CDAS, the Criminal Defense Advocacy Society, which is our sort of CLA. Um, and so between the provincial court's actual um, announcements, which have been comprehensive, and then the fact that All and CDAS are are parroting those announcements. I do believe that the message is getting out in real time as to what, what, what's changing with procedure. Perfect. You know, in Ontario, we have this, uh, to varying degrees, depending on the community, uh, difficulty getting people to, uh, uh, to, to stay on jury rolls, to uh, not make excuses that some, sometimes are true, sometimes are false. Um, do you have a feel for uh, what it's going to be like picking a jury in, in, say, the fall in British Columbia? Yeah, I mean, that's that's been top of, I do quite a bit of jury work, so that's been, <clears throat> excuse me, top of mind for me because uh, I see, there's one particular jury trial that I'm involved in, and apparently there's, there's a very, we have a very optimistic justice who thinks we can get back going in June and that we're gonna do some special measures in that courtroom, use the biggest courtroom, our courtroom 20 at our Vancouver Superior Court house and invoke some social distancing measures in the courtroom. I don't know if that's possible or not. Um, I think that you're right. I mean, I think what you're getting at and what I agree with is I think people are gonna be very hesitant to come to a jury selection process. I think that's gonna be the bigger concern is picking new juries than it is going to be to get an old jury going again um right. especially if not much left to go so there has been nothing more that i've been in some of these stakeholder meetings with the judiciary and we don't have a organized response on that yet all we can do is speculate but i'm very you know i have a personal concern that we're not going to be picking any new juries until january 2021 that's my thought yeah yeah and uh, you know, I haven't done much thinking on it, but it seems to me that we've got a real clash of constitutional rights on this um, and and other massive competing interests. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I think it's going to be a real, a real tough one. And I think that the courts are going to be in a real quagmire as to when they, when they start sending out the notices, because they know when they send out the notices, they're going to put... Um, John or Jane Q public in a real quagmire if it's too early and there's right. going to be a lot of people <laughs> hiring lawyers to do whatever they can to get out of it then you're going to have lawyers potentially showing up and saying uh, or, or asking to appear by phone or video to make applications uh, and giving all sorts of, of probably meritorious reasons why their client a potential juror shouldn't be forced to be in a room with 300 other people while the jury is is being selected so um, I don't have any more answers on that than you, but we're, we're concerned that that could really, and we don't know if, you know, 
on the homicide trials that I have coming up, I don't know if that's going to lead to um, the Crown to change their policy on ongoing judge alone. Right. Not, it may and it may not. I'm not. They're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to think on that. Wow, well, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about, and and a lot to wade through with your client to give them advice. Uh, uh, it's just it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it um, in a scenario where you can't be with your client. Um, yeah. Well, very fraught with uh, with communication problems. Absolutely. Well, thank you, thank you very much, Kevin. Um, it's a pleasure speaking to you, and and please stay safe. You too. It's my pleasure. Thanks. Deborah Hatch, thank you so much for joining us from Alberta. We really appreciate you making the time. Can you tell us uh, what has the response to COVID been like in the Alberta courts so far? Uh, my pleasure. Thanks very much. Um, in Alberta, virtually everything has shut down uh, entirely with the exception of emergency matters like bail hearings and, and things like that. Um, I, I understand there have been a handful, like maybe three or four, uh, trials that have gone ahead in provincial court and other than that everything has just been adjourned and uh, when matters are going to start being heard uh, you know there's talk of, of opening up a little bit but it's basically just uh, some summary happening and some bail hearings taking place in the court of Queen's bench everything has been adjourned completely um, again bail hearings of course going ahead and bail reviews but trials, uh, everything in custody, out of custody adjourned, and jury trials member will be able to reschedule those. In the Court of Appeal, um, some matters, I gather, have, have gone ahead by, uh, you know, by video, but a lot has been adjourned and some deadlines have been extended, but uh, not too much is, is taking place. It's pretty exceptional for something to take place. Gotcha. So just going back to bail hearings for a moment, do you know how those are happening? Is that, do you have video capability in the courts? Is it audio? What, what seems to be the common thread for, for bail hearings? In, uh, in the bigger cities, Edmonton and Calgary, there is video capability. And so, uh, so that has been happening and the odd prisoner being, being brought into court as well, but really they've tried to reduce, uh, you know, what's happening in person. So um, outside of Edmonton and Calgary, uh, regionally, there is not as much video capability. Uh, so I'm not sure what's, what's happened there. Gotcha. And you mentioned that some, and, and very few, based on what you've been hearing, Court of Appeal hearings are going forward. Does the Court of Appeal have capacity for video? Or, and and what, what are they offering to people from what you've been hearing where an appeal hearing is scheduled to take place, and obviously now it's going to be affected by this by this crisis. Yes, the Court of Appeal does have video capability, and so what they've indicated is if you if you want your hearing to go ahead, uh, it can be arranged uh, either through a video appearance or by phone. And um, and yeah, I, I've gone ahead, but I, I suspect that a lot have have been adjourned. Right. No. Fair enough. Uh, and jury trials, I know you mentioned that those have been adjourned. Are you concerned about what this means for a backlog of cases? And has there been any any news from the courts or otherwise about how Alberta is going to deal with what I assume is going to be a pretty substantial backlog in both the Court of Queen's Bench and the Provincial Court? 
Um, I'm really concerned about uh, about jury trials, and I, you know, I had five of them this spring. Two of them we got in before the first week of March, and and they concluded. Uh, the others were adjourned, and uh, you know we'll be able to speak to those apparently again in the first week of September as to when those are going to get rescheduled. Like, you know. Before all of this, we were setting jury trials, just, you know, a two or three day, very, very short, straightforward trial. Uh, the earliest dates we could get would be about 13 or 14 months from when we set them. Mm -hmm. So now with months and months of trials uh, being adjourned, um, I, I'm not sure what is going to happen there, but the backlog is going to be monumental. Has there been any response or any anything coming out of either officially or unofficially the Crown's offices about how they may try to triage cases to deal with that backlog? Uh, there has been nothing. I, I think that the PPSC, the Federal Crown, has, has been pretty progressive in terms of some of their policies and, and what they're directing their line crowns to do, to be very you know, open-minded in terms of considering other options and resolutions. Uh, the provincial crown uh, seems to be unaware of any kind of direction, and so I suspect that there hasn't been any. Um, I know that I've been, you know, pretty aggressive about contacting crowns on some of my matters to say, you know, are you really going to proceed with this? Like, this right. case is really deficient. Um, and I did have one of those jury trials that would have just been adjourned. The crown stayed that. So... I'm not sure on a personal level how crowns are, are approaching this, but I mean, obviously the wise thing to do would be to really think carefully about what needs to go ahead. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you guys are able to figure out how to get back to business as usual as soon as it's safe to do so. Sure thing, I wish the same for everyone else. Take care. Kate Oya, thank you so much for joining us from Yellowknife. Can you tell us how have the courts in Northwest Territories been responding to COVID? Sure. Um, essentially, court has been mostly shut down since about the middle of March. Um, currently, all trials have been cancelled and all uh, regular sort of set date court has been cancelled up until July. Um, Circuit court was cancelled um, starting about March 16th, I think, and that's the traveling court where we go into the smaller communities. So there's currently a hope that we go back in July, although I think that that may still change. Right. And so how are you dealing with urgent matters that have to proceed like bail hearings? Right. Uh, bail court is happening by telephone. Okay. And the way it's working is the justice of the peace is appearing, well, is in court, and then the accused is appearing by video from jail, and the lawyers are appearing by telephone. Okay. And do you have video capabilities in the courts to be able to have everyone appear by video, or right now it seems like audio is the only option for, for counsel calling in, for example? I've actually been offered, in, I've been told to try to get uh, video capabilities set up. There was one trial continuation that I think it is technically possible. Right. Um, there was actually a witness that testified um, by video with the lawyers by video as well, although I, I didn't hear that it went particularly well. Ah, okay. <laughs> not, not ideal. Uh, and what about jury trials? I mean, I guess those have just been fully adjourned. 
Yeah, um, I just had a jury trial scheduled for June up in Inuvik that was canceled. Um, they're not rescheduling anything at this point. So I believe the Supreme Court is going to be trying to reschedule starting next month. Okay. And, and do you have concerns about backlog and what this might do to, I know that you guys operate on quite a fine balance between circuit courts and, and being in Yellowknife. Do you worry about what this might do for scheduling for the rest of the year or into next year? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I know that the dockets are just sort of building up in the communities um, because people continue to be arrested, uh, charges are continuing to be laid, and so we're all concerned about what the fall will look like um, and how long it might take to clear out some of the, the matters that have built up. And, and do you, you do circuit courts where you go into quite remote communities, right? That's right, yeah. Do you have any concerns about access to justice issues that are arising from court basically being suspended for a while? Yeah, I mean, it is generally quite difficult for us to be in contact with our clients in those communities. Um, and there's, as I think most defense lawyers agree, there's only so much you're willing to do remotely. Um, meeting a client face-to-face -face is really crucial. And so even if you have a phone number for someone and even if you can get them on the phone, there's only so much you can do by way of getting instructions from them without meeting them. Yeah. Um, and so... I think a lot of communications have essentially been suspended between lawyers and clients in those communities, and it will be a lot of work to sort of get all of the matters back up and running. Right. And, and before COVID hit, you, I understand that in your jurisdiction, bail hearings by phone were possible. Um, so did you feel like you were more prepared to move to an audio model than some places where that was a sort of a rarity might have been, or not really? Actually, in the Northwest Territories, we hadn't been doing bail hearings okay. by telephone. I know that that's very common in Nunavut, um, but the way the Northwest Territories works, which is actually, there's criticism of it both ways. Um, the accused are brought to Yellowknife, um, mm -hmm. which does involve a delay um, because it involves transport down to Yellowknife. And then the bail hearing, bail hearings are always conducted in person in Yellowknife. Okay. Um, that is still happening, um, but I think there should be some consideration now to, to finding ways to having a bail hearing occur with the accused still remaining in their community because that mm -hmm. just removes the lag time that we're seeing and we've always seen by bringing people down to Yellowknife. Interesting. No, I, I didn't realize that that was the model. So I can, yeah, mm -hmm. that must be extra tough right now with people not mm -hmm. wanting to move people between different facilities and, and concerns about infection and things. So yeah, lots of challenges on your plate. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate it. And best of luck with everything. We are so lucky to have Vincent Larochelle here with us from the Yukon uh, to tell us what things are like in his jurisdiction. Oh, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Yukon, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so Can you what bring us up to speed? You want me to get you up to speed on what's happening in the Yukon? Yeah. Uh, well, I think I haven't been following too closely some of the courts across the country, although I'm called to the BC bar and I have been, uh, I, I can probably compare to what's happening in BC. It seems very similar. The Yukon is a small jurisdiction. We have two levels of court here, well, three with the Court of Appeal. We have, uh, unlike uh, other territories, we have a, both a territorial court, which would correspond to your provincial courts, and, to, uh, and we have a Supreme Court, which mm -hmm. is the Court of Original Jurisdiction. Uh, both courts do 
their own thing. They, they have their own rules. Um, there's been a lot of adaptations in terms of how we can appear in court, how we can file, and I'm happy to go into more details later, but essentially everything's been done to kind of minimize and promote physical distancing. Uh, so, so minimize contact, promote physical distancing, uh, e-filing, uh, telephone appearances, uh, but not everything has been adjourned. And I've noted from my colleagues from down south that the go-to has been to adjourn, adjourn, adjourn everything into June or July. And the message that we got early on here in the Yukon is we're going to deal with things on a case-by-case -case basis. We're going to ask counsel, uh, and I'm speaking here for the criminal side of things. I'm also happy to speak for civil matters, but criminally, our territorial court does uh, a lot of criminal work. They don't do any family law, anything like that. So it's, it's mainly regulatory and criminal. And they sent messages out to, to councils and essentially asked us, please cooperate in identifying which cases are urgent, which are non-urgent. Of course, whether or not a client is in custody is going to be one of the determining factors. But there's other matters that nonetheless are urgent, even if the client's not in custody because of delays. And so that's what we've been doing here. And speaking for myself, not all my trials have been adjourned. Mm -hmm. And some trials with Crown Counsel, we were discussing, well, my client's not in custody, but this is a dated case. It's a second trial after an appeal. It's been going on. The nature of the charge makes it so the complainant wants to get it done. And so we ask ourselves whether we can accommodate a trial that would respect physical distancing. We have a lot of courtrooms in the Yukon relative to the number of cases that are, that mm -hmm. are heard. And so it is possible to do... To, to run trials and one trial that I'm running we, with Crown, we decided we're gonna present all the evidence by CCTV. Hmm. Um, the courtroom's open to media, but uh, with that in mind, it's very much possible in a courtroom setting where the judge is five meters away, the clerk is another three, you could, you could jiggle things around and make it a physically distant reality. And so, that's kind of where we're getting at. One question I haven't thought of actually is what am I going to do with my client uh, in, in that trial? And right. there's probably an easy answer to that is just make sure that there's two tables and if we need to consult, we'll do so. Interesting. And so this is a trial that's coming up and you guys are making a plan for how you can do it safely right now, basically. Yes, it's, uh, I won't name any names or anything like that, but it's a domestic assault scenario and there's been multiple incidents. And so we decided that actually it would be important to have this one go ahead even if my client's not in custody because there's uh there's underlying root causes here that you right. know we should probably just get this done for everyone's sake because it's having an impact on the children in the relationship right. i'm sure you're familiar with all of the, the 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 possible ramifications of these domestic assault cases they the criminal law you know intervenes into a family setting and then it's a very very imposing presence <laughs> I might say it that way. No kidding. Well, that, that trial, for example, is scheduled in later in May. Okay. Uh, and and are jury trials still happening right now, or are all of those been adjourned for now? <clears throat> so everything's been adjourned, but that's not exactly how it was meant to be. Not that that's exactly what I mean, but there was a big jury trial happening in the Yukon. There was a murder trial that was ongoing, and that trial was adjourned from the fall. It was mid-trial. Mm. And they had actually decided they were going to go ahead with it. It was scheduled to go ahead in late April through May. It was a very long and complicated murder trial. 
And they were going to go ahead and, and that was the plan, but the resolution was reached and there was a plea to a manslaughter. Okay. I'm not sure what happened in the negotiations. Maybe the whole pandemic was, was part of, of the reasoning behind Crown Council and Defense Council agreeing to the plea. Be that as it may, the, the plan was to run a jury trial. And now officially, because there are no other jury trials that, that are deemed pressing, the, all jury trials are canceled and they're not gonna hear any new trials. And so can I just jump in on the on the e-filing piece? You, you mentioned that you've been e-filing. Has that been just happening ad hoc via email or do you guys in the Yukon have a, an e-filing portal? I love it. <laughs> I'm, this is probably at least for my day to day yeah. and hopefully for the legal pr profession is going to be one of the best changes that's going to happen in terms of how we deal with courts and filing and clerks is it's so easy the way we do it here I'm not I know that other jurisdictions have portals where you can log into the court registry portal and submit your documents and and, and that's all fine and dandy, but the Yukon is small. Literally all we do is send our documents to this email address with a, a, a header indicating the, the, the case or the, the, the style of cause, civil and, and criminal, and then they stamp it and send us the stamp page back and then we can email it to opposing counsel. They're also authorizing e service by email in all, all cases. So for example, yesterday I was filing a document <clears throat> And the clerk said, oh, by the way, you'd also need to file this document, you know, as soon as you can. Literally five minutes later, I just respond to the email, see attached. There it is. Boom, nice. done. <laughs> and then they, they call you to get your credit card number. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, no, that is, it is the great silver lining of COVID-19 is that we have dragged the courts into this century. And it's, it, it is gonna be great if we can keep it up I guess <laughs> yeah I know I, I even made a joke at some point where <clears throat> I was participating in a teleconference hearing and towards the end of the of the hearing I made a joke I said welcome to the 1980s uh, <laughs> 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 hopefully sometime we'll add video and then we'll be in the 21st century your honor um, well yeah silver have... writing for the legal profession and I to, to be clear though, it's been very difficult on a lot of my colleagues through the country. I've been, especially younger lawyers who are trying to establish their professions and, and it's difficult. And, and so I don't wanna, I don't wanna belittle the, yeah. the difficulties we're all facing, but I'm hoping that this will generate some change that will be lasting. And I think that's across society. I'm, I'm certain that all sorts of professions and aspects of our daily lives are going to be hopefully changed for the better by this incident. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, well, thanks so much for joining us today. That's been very interesting to get some insight into what's happening in the Yukon and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Anytime. Okay. Thanks. Thank Vince. you. Lana Walker coming to us straight from Iqaluit. Thank you, Lana, for speaking to us today. Tell us what is happening with the criminal courts in Nunavut. All right. So good morning. And um, in terms of what's happening here, the courts have, we have a unified court, so it's pretty simple to take one approach here or a coordinated response. Um, our court has adjourned all of the community circuits essentially until the next circuit sittings. 
And then in terms of our special sittings, trials, um, judge alone trials, jury trials, everything has been canceled and adjourned to a date in June. So court is essentially on hold um, in terms of doing substantive trial matters. Um, in June, things are going to be revisited, I guess, depending on the situation at that time. And um, we'll see if matters can then um, be rescheduled and what that looks like. Um, so that's kind of how the court is dealt with it right now. So no substantive matters are going ahead, but we do have courts running. So um, bail hearings are happening every day. They take place over the phones. So at 1.30, we have a Calowit bail matters. And at 3 p.m., um, there's a JP doing community bail matters. So there are two JPs doing those. And I think there's about four days a month that are dedicated to hearing um, like section 525 bail reviews or Myers bail review hearings. And um, in terms of other matters that are proceeding, um, essentially the court has um, made itself available for discrete matters. So um, when there's judges that are seized of matters, they've reached out to counsel and they have um, been able to conduct some sentencings and some other matters like that over the phone. And I know the court is open to doing um, some resolutions with a focus on in custody matters right now. And you, you guys in, in Nunavut have done remote bail and remote hearings more than in some other jurisdictions even before COVID. Do you think that's made it easier to adapt to moving to a fully remote model right now? I definitely think so. The infrastructure was already in place to do the remote hearings. And you're right, the bail hearings were always except for bail hearings in Iqaluit, they were essentially always done over the phone or sometimes at the detachment. So in a community like Rankin Inlet, council could go to the detachment and do the bail hearing. Um, but the JP, JP might be there, they might be on the phone. But yes, the infrastructure was already in place. So we were very used to already doing that. And so Lana, is the court using any uh, video conferencing software or is it purely an audio solution so at this point it's purely audio so everything's done on the phone um, we have in the past used video um, technology especially for trials so um, if there are witnesses who have relocated in particular rcp officers who are no longer in the territory and um, council agrees that testimony can be made by video that's often used so it's not it's not um a technology that we don't use or don't contemplate it's just um at this point everything is on the phone and i think that's because um the judges are also on the phone so the courtrooms are not open right right, right. Just one little question for you i know that in some of the circuit communities where you have to fly in and you're only there for a brief period of time to deal with their matters and you're not back for months your only means of regular access to your clients is being there in person and having them show up and speak to you. How are you keeping in touch with those people or is it really not possible? Um, I think that it's really difficult. Um, it can only be done on the phone and that's if clients have phones. So they don't always have phones. So access to clients and communities is really restricted at this time. Okay. Hmm. 
Uh, and it's difficult to move matters forward from communities, um, of course. Even, you know, you can't resolve things if you've never met the client in person. So, um, yes, there's a real halt on moving matters forward in communities. Well, th thanks for that update, Lana. And uh, does Paige want to say anything to the podcast? Do you want to say anything, Paige? Negative. <laughs> you <hear> me <laughs> <laughs> Daughter of a defense lawyer. <laughs> she's, she's reserving comment till later. I, I can respect that. Um, yeah. All right. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Lana. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Looking for concise guidance on practical and procedural aspects of criminal law? How about resources that reflect both Crown and defense perspectives? Iman's award-winning criminal law series with general editors Brian Greenspan and Justice Rondinelli offer clear and detailed guidance on the most challenging areas of criminal practice. Learn more about Iman's criminal law series at iman.ca slash lawyers lounge criminal. For our listeners, Iman is offering 10% off. Just visit iman.ca lawyers lounge criminal and enter code lawyers lounge at checkout. We are really lucky to have Jay Watson with, uh, with us from Saskatoon. Jay, tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods. So uh, we've got two levels of court here. We've got provincial court and court of Queen's bench and, and uh, the trial courts. And basically most all trial matters are basically adjourned until June. Um, if there's in custody matters, some things can proceed, but all jury trials are uh, adjourned and out of custody matters are adjourned. So everything's done by video conferencing. All the smaller court points are closed down altogether. The permanent court points uh, are open for video matters. Uh, you can get sentencings done by video uh, and things like that. Uh, but for the most part, courts are closed. So you mentioned that some in-custody trials are going ahead. Is that happening in person or by video? How, how does that work? Um, in person. Oh, wow. Okay. And so witnesses are coming in for those trials? Yes, and that the, but no one's allowed in the courthouse other than, you know, participants. Okay. And have there been any issues with that so far, or it's all kind of going ahead? So far, so good. Uh, but there has, like I say, there haven't been many. And uh, the, um, uh, but the courts have been very open to um, input, like they've sought input from uh, the, you know, defense lawyers and crowns, and uh, they've been uh, quite receptive to input. You know, Jay, we have been hearing rumors in Ontario that that you guys in Saskatchewan have e-filing at your court of appeal uh, and yes. have for some time. Yes. Uh, and you're now the envy of the entire country. Can you tell us about that system? Uh, yeah. So uh, when we had the after our new chief justice was appointed, uh, Chief Judge uh, Richards, um, he instituted uh, some changes, and that was one of them. So we have, as you say, we've had e-filing for, for quite some time. And uh, actually, the uh, Court of Appeal is running by video uh, even through this. So of all the, of the three levels of court in Saskatchewan, I predict that our Court of Appeal is going to be the most uh, caught up when mm -hmm. this is done. The other levels will have some backlog that's going to take quite a while to deal with. But Court of Appeal really has been um, 
they've been doing, they've been moving effectively. And I know, I know Jay, that you like me, you like paper. Uh, and can you help any of the other uh, old dogs out there who are trying to move to a digital filing world? Uh, you have any tips or tricks for us? Yeah, you have a good assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't file a factum to save my life, but thankfully there's people here that know how to do that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, Jay. That's very helpful and uh, stay safe and healthy out there. Okay, thank you. We have Jerry Weeb with us from Manitoba. Jerry, what is happening in your beautiful province? Well, uh, basically there's been some exciting changes in the last couple of days. I'm not sure if you're aware, but Manitoba has uh, partially reopened our business sector as of this coming up Monday. And so uh, I learned this morning actually that our Queen's Bench is going to be resuming full functioning as of May 25th. Uh, we're current. We're currently doing in custody matters, uh, trials, and everything on all levels of court, uh, bails, um, what else? Dispositions. Everything custody related is currently running in both the uh, provincial court and Queen's Bench. And as of May 25th, Queen's Bench will, will be resuming out of custody matters as well. Wow. And wow. so how, how have trials been proceeding in custody trials? Have they been in person the same way they always have been? Or have you been seeing more video and audio use? Uh, there is more video and audio use, but it still is subject to a case-by-case -case analysis as to whether that's appropriate in the circumstances. So uh, where the evidence is sort of rudimentary or routine, I think that they've been using more uh, video appearances and that sort of thing. But I certainly know that judges have required in-person uh, witnesses for uh, those where the credibility is a major factor. Gotcha. That's, that, that's really interesting. And so I, I guess you, you have less of a concern about the backlog as a result of, of the closure than we do, say, in Ontario or BC. Well, I, I think that there is going to be a significant backlog. I don't know the numbers uh, in terms of uh, what the backlog is going to look like. But for the first, uh, I don't know the exact date, but for the first month about, we were completely shut down other than bails. Mm -hmm. And then we, no, sorry, we were shut down on bails and in custody dispositions did proceed because those could, uh, we do have a video system where we could do the, uh, have the accused present by video conferencing. Um, the in-custody trials only started resuming uh, a few weeks ago, and now we're being told, at least in Queen's Bench, that the out-of-custodies will follow. The provincial court hasn't confirmed that yet. So I suspect that there is still a pretty significant backlog that we're going to have to deal with. But yes, we do seem to be on the forefront of opening up courts again and, and resuming full service, if you can put it that way. That's great. Um, and were all of your jury trials, even for in-custody, suspended? Yes, and they remain suspended. Uh, that's one thing, again, when I met with the Queen's Bench this morning, they advised us that uh, they don't have anything in place right now that can accommodate appropriate social distancing and that sort of thing for juries. You can imagine for jury selections, you have hundreds of people that show up just for the selection, and then for the individual juries going back and forth between the jury room and sitting next to each other for days on end, that just isn't safe at this point in time. Jerry, what about e-filing? Do you file uh, records and factums electronically in Manitoba? We do not. Uh, unfortunately for Manitoba, what I'm told is that our 
three levels of court all have different computer systems that they use. And so well in advance of COVID, there was a tender put out to uh, create a system that would be or that would be compatible for all three levels of court to initiate that. But it never has gotten beyond the tender stage as far as I'm aware. And so we have never never had e-filing in Manitoba, nor were we allowed to e-file even during COVID. So we've had wow. to uh, keep going back down to the courthouse for the purposes of filing our documents. Wow. Well, that is very interesting. And I think uh, I speak for both Lisa and I that the prospect of getting back into court and that, that you're on the precipice of, of that uh, is very exciting. <laughs> and uh, we're very happy for you, Jerry. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited too. Uh, we've gotten a, an email from the courts, or sorry, from the crowns. I don't know if you want to include this in your, uh, but anyway, there are a significant steps being taken to protect the health of lawyers when they're going, well, everyone going into the building. And so we're happy about that. And we're really quite happy to resume. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you too. Daniel Brown from Ontario. Thanks so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about how the COVID crisis is affecting the courts in Ontario? Have you seen a, a unified response or is each level of court effectively doing its own thing? Well, I think every court is doing its own thing, but they're mostly doing it in the same fashion. Uh, mm -hmm. And what we've seen is that most things have come to a, a grinding halt uh, in the court system. Uh, there are no trials and no preliminary inquiries taking place in the provincial courts. Uh, most out of custody matters aren't proceeding as well. And they're really only doing emergency cases like guilty pleas for in-custody accused or bail hearings uh, that require immediate assistance. And we've seen some of those be done through Zoom uh, or other video type of conferencing, but for the most part, they're, they're really sticking with the audio conferencing software, mm -hmm. which isn't working well. Um, the same can be said of the Superior Court, which are still doing bail review hearings, but for the most part, aren't doing any type of substantive trial work uh, they've made it clear that jury trials won't go ahead until September at the earliest, and it's unclear whether other um, trial matters will proceed or in what fashion they'll pr proceed in the um, trial courts in, in, in Ontario. Um, the Court of Appeal is talking about doing some sort of um, audio or video conferencing hearings, uh, and they are also dealing with bail matters, but really uh, what we can tell is that they're not proceeding with uh, most of the regularly scheduled appeals right now. So it's okay. a, a bit of a mess. In terms of, uh, I know you've mentioned that no jury trials until September. Have you received any guidance from the Superior Court or Court of Justice in any other respect as to when you might expect things to return to some semblance of normal? Yeah, uh, well, the Ontario Court of Justice announced today that they won't be reopening until at least the, uh, July. And probably it'll be much longer than that before they're up and running uh, to host uh, in-person trials. What we hope is that uh, they're gonna be able to adopt and, and, and get some uh, virtual trials going in the next few months, because that's really going to be the only way they'll be able to deal with the backlog of cases that are already in the system. Yeah, and I, I know that you know the Ontario Court of Justice is the busiest court in the country. I assume that we're talking about a pretty sizable backlog of cases. Is there any guidance as to how the Ministry of the Attorney General or uh, the courts intend to deal with this massive backlog? No, well, we really don't have much of an indication. 
we've received some piecemeal information from individual crowns who have said that they're tasked with the, the role of trying to triage their own cases or some of the cases that are in the court system. But there's been no uniform response from the, the ministry about how they plan to deal with collectively all of these cases. So I think as the courts start to progress and as we get a better sense of how long this pandemic's going to last, uh, they're going to realize that they have to make some significant changes about which cases they want to prosecute and which cases they don't. Because otherwise, how will they deal with these thousands of cases that are stuck in the system right now? Right. And, and during this time, have you found that uh, the courts or the Crown's offices are doing a good job of communicating what's going on with the defense bar? And if not, how have you been getting the information that you need to practice? It's been a real challenge getting up-to-date information. Of course, the courts will make kind of a semi-regular announcement every few weeks and just say uh, whether cases will be going ahead or whether they're going to be unpaused. But the mechanics of day-to-day -day practice, how do you call into a courthouse? How do you mm -hmm. attend virtually? How do you find out what's happened with a case that was in the system? Um, th that type of information really isn't coming uh, too easily. And, and it really means that uh, defense lawyers uh, have to chase after individual crowns or individual courts to try and extract that information and, and understand it. And so what the Criminal Lawyers Association has done in Ontario is we've set up a network of lawyers who are, whose job it is to extract that information from the courts and to share it with the membership at large. And that's the way we've been dealing with it. But uh, the courts could make this process a lot easier. Uh, and when we talk about kind of adopting uh, these new technologies, one of the ways they can do it is just by sharing the information that they have and making it readily accessible so that the, the public at large and defense lawyers can understand what's happening. No, that all makes sense. Well, hopefully the communication improves and we get some more guidance soon about how we're going to deal with the monumental task of putting the justice system back on track again. Daniel, thanks so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Lita Naray, thank you so much for joining us today from Quebec. Can you tell us what have the Quebec courts been doing in response to COVID and where does it look like it's headed? Uh, actually, I think all the actors of the uh, of the system of justice is working with uh, capital S, uh, big speed into modernizing our system. Um, so how it works here in Quebec is that each court, the Superior Court or the Quebec Court, uh, gives the big outlines and it's adapted regionally, actually by district, on how it's uh, applicable. But it is uniform that only urgent matters uh, proceed. So we're talking about first appearances, judicial interim release hearings, we're talking about default warrants, uh, detention reviews, uh, preliminary inquiries, and trials of detained people once a judge determined that there is an emergency. So you could do representation and say that you're in an emergency uh, matter and that it has to proceed. Um, so and on the basis, most of the stuff are done by uh, video. But uh, there is once there's a trial or a preliminary inquiry, they bring uh, the people minimum for sure, uh, but you could make your representations uh, to have the people or to not have the people. So we had uh, representations done by video for prelims or uh, trial. Oh, wow. So you guys have been able to actually have prelims and trials for in custody accused go ahead 
it's just it's an emergency. Yeah. Emergency. How, how have the courts been deciding what is or isn't an emergency or is it pretty uh, ad hoc? Well, they have guidelines uh, done regionally. So, uh, so then it has to fit those uh, criteria. So okay. it's really in case of strict emergency because they're trying to limit the number of people in the courthouse. And that's why everything is done also as much as possible by uh, video. Right. And so did the Quebec courts have enough video capability to make this possible from the jump or, or has it been a bit of a, a trial and error process? It's something that's evaluating and it's going to continue on the evolving. Um, so at the beginning, you know, there was a certain system that had to be done. And uh, also we can't forget the prisons has to be also equipped. Right. Uh, so when I talk about uh, all the actors of our, uh, of our justice, I'm talking about at large. So it's all the institutions uh, that are working in uh, great speed right now. Wow, I mean, that's impressive. And what about jury trials? Have they been able to proceed at all or has that been adjourned for now? So far, uh, the last, comp uh, the last uh, information I have and my comprehension is that it's postponed till September so far. Okay, uh, and what about the Quebec Court of Appeal? Are they still hearing appeals um, via video or audio or in person? What, what's, what's their plan for dealing with this? There's some matters that are heard. There's some motions that are heard um, by video, um, but there's some cases that are postponed because they want an in-person hearing. Right, and that can't be accommodated right now. Exactly, and you know, when I say everything's evaluating, uh, uh, it, evolving, sorry about that. It's also because, you know, uh, when we're gonna have the recommendation that you have to keep the two meter distance and everything, well, all that, all those organization are being studied right now and to see how many people could fit in, in the courthouse and each district is different. Uh, so all of that has been taken into consideration. Huh, yeah, interesting. Uh, well. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see the Quebec courts move with even greater speed to get everybody back in the courthouses as soon as it's safe. Thank you very much. Have right. a nice day. Okay. Bye, Lita. James McConnell from New Brunswick. Uh, tell us what has been happening in the courts, in the criminal courts in New Brunswick. Well, um, I haven't been in a criminal court in New Brunswick, I think, since, since the uh, you know, pandemic uh, you know, really started having an effect on everything in the system. Um, but, you know, I have attended a number of hearings, you know, through audio conference. Uh, I actually just did my first sentencing this morning uh, via audio conference, and, and that seemed to work pretty well. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, you know, the court is, is still hearing, you know, bails, trials, uh, doing sentencing, preliminary inquiries for people who are in custody. Uh, you know, those cases, my understanding is, are, are basically proceeding normally um, with increased use of, of things like audio conference and video conference. But, but uh, criminal matters where the accused is not in custody, those have generally been adjourned. Um, but, you know, the courts, I think, have a discretion on a case-by-case -case basis to uh, proceed with those cases um, if they're deemed urgent. Uh, but, you know, for instance, uh, you know, this morning that the sentencing I had um, I mean, it, it certainly wouldn't have been urgent. It wasn't someone in custody, but it was a, a case where there was a joint recommendation on sentence. Facts were very straightforward. 
And, uh, you know, I emailed the judge's assistant and asked if we could please, <laughs> uh, you know, carry on with this rather than, than you know, waiting until uh, the courtroom restrictions lifted and, and the judge agreed and, and the Crown was on board and, and we had the hearing and it, it was fine. Um, so things are, you know, carrying on uh, to some extent. I mean, I think the courts are at a much lower capacity, um, but, uh, you know, there have been trials happening. Um, for accused who are in custody that, that I'm aware of. And um, yeah, but for, for people who are not in custody, generally speaking, their matters have been adjourned. Um, right. I think right now it's uh, jury trials, anything scheduled between now and the end of June has been adjourned. Everything else, um, anything between now and the end of May has been adjourned, except for uh, accused who are in custody. Right, so for in custody accused, jury trials have been adjourned, but judge alone trials that's can right. go ahead or provincial court trials can go ahead. Are you aware of any issues with you know, witnesses not wanting to come in? Are they, are they doing things to accommodate any party who wants to appear by audio or, or is it basically come in as normal unless there's a particular request? Yeah, and so I mean, I've I've kind of read things about uh, you know some trials that have happened you know in this new environment. There was a uh, an attempt murder trial that recently occurred in Moncton, and my understanding were a number of the witnesses were appearing you know via video conference, um, and uh, I, and this is just through following in the media. But I, I think there was an incident where you know one of the in, one of the witnesses when they came to court said that they were experiencing COVID-like symptoms, and so they had to shut that down. So I think there have been issues. Um, you know, I've heard kind of stories in, in my judicial district in St. John where witnesses have shown up, but uh, like right now the general public's being excluded from the, from the courthouse. Right. And so, uh, you know, I've heard just anecdotally instances of witnesses showing up and saying, you know, I'm here for this case and being turned away because, you know, the sheriff's officer didn't maybe ask if, you know, are you a witness right. or, or you know, just a general member of the public? So I think there've been kind of hiccups like that. Um, and I think there right now, there's a, basically a blanket policy for um, at least applicable in provincial court, you know, where it can be used. Courts are being asked to, you know, avail themselves of, of video conferencing or audio conferencing where it's possible to do. So, um, you know, I know this recent uh, attempt murder trial in Moncton, there were witnesses testifying in person, but also also via video conference as well. Um, I think one of the issues has been kind of scheduling. Um, mm -hmm. Even before, you know, COVID, um, you know, I've had hearings where, you know, I've had witnesses appear via video conference, but, you know, if you're doing it in courtroom one, then they can't do it in courtroom two, <laughs> you know, at the same time. So, uh, uh, and in the, you know, the prisons, uh, you know, the remand facilities, there may just be one room where, where a person can appear by, by video conference. So it's been, I, I think, more of a scheduling challenge. But, you know, the technology was there uh, to begin with. So it's, you know, I think been a bit of a learning curve in the courts to, uh, you know, sort out kind of the technical kinks and the scheduling issues. And so, James, is your sense, because in Ontario, we've not been proceeding on uh, any trials, even in custody trials. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Lisa and I uh, have been kind of looking at an iceberg uh, of, uh, a buildup that we're expecting will hit and kind of crash <laughs> into the yeah. courts uh, when they reopen. But it, do you, do you have a sense that by keeping the in custody trials moving, you're going to have less of a backlog problem? Yeah, I, I think so, and and I expect we we probably have less backlog concerns in New Brunswick than than in, in you know 
jurisdictions like Toronto anyway. But, um, you know, I know our, our Chief Justice of our uh, Court of Queen's Bench, our Superior Court, um, you know, uh, Chief Justice Tracy Dware has, you know, made comments to, you know, public comments that, you know, we're, we're trying to keep things moving as, as quick, you know, as much as possible, deal with as much as possible so that, you know, when the tidal wave of, of cases comes, it's, it's not as bad as it would be otherwise. Um, so I think, you know, our, our courts are really aware of that issue. And, um, you know, while the, the directive was, you know, only urgent cases or in custody cases right now, um, you know, I think judges, you know, where you can have a, a hearing proceed in a summary fashion or, you know, or like a sentencing with a, with a joint uh, position by Crown and Defense, you know, judges are, are um, going ahead with those hearings so that, you know, they're not just forming part of the backlog that comes in July or, you right. know, whenever it is, things become more normal. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks so much for giving us that update. That's uh, very helpful. And we will let you get back to your day, Jamie. Jonathan Cody from PEI, thanks so much for joining us today. What can you tell us about how the courts in PEI have been responding to the COVID crisis? Well, generally very positive, and uh, the effort has been a coordinated one. Uh, the chief judge of our provincial court, uh, together with the chief justices, has put together a little bit of a working group. They meet regularly. They communicate with the bar in a, communicate in a coordinated way, and it's gone uh, relatively well. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the blessings is that we're small and we don't have some of the challenges that other provinces are facing. And so in terms of some specific proceedings, how are you guys dealing with bail hearings right now? Are those still going ahead? So bail is, is proceeding. Um, you can imagine it's a small volume in PEI, uh, but there's a dedicated video connection to the Provincial Correctional Center, um, and they do have audio conferencing available as well. Um, but those have proceeded. Um, bail review, very rare in Prince Edward Island. Uh, again, just uh, something that we don't encounter uh, that length of stay because, again, proceedings generally are dealt with very quickly. Right. So you're not facing nearly the same kind of Jordan backlog issues that many of us are worried about in, in Ontario or other jurisdictions. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, it's that's been a blessing in Prince Edward Island. We don't have those Jordan issues, and and for lawyers who are at a province who come to the to Prince Edward Island to practice, they're often surprised as to how quick they can get trial dates and how quickly uh, matters proceed. Uh, usually it's the lawyer's schedule that presents the problem, not the courts. Right, uh, and how about jury trials? Are your jury trials going ahead? So jury trials uh, is sort of interesting. We had none scheduled when the pandemic struck, so uh, it's not an issue Prince Edward Island has been dealing with. Um, and jury trials by their nature are, are quite rare in Prince Edward Island, so it's not something we've had to, uh, to tackle so far. And uh, we're watching some of the direction from other provinces, too, to see what they're going to do um, when it comes to jury trials, because we'll need some direction as the year proceeds as to what to do and what the best practices are. Right. I, I understand, though, that the justice system hasn't been without its, uh, its foibles since COVID hit. Uh, can you tell us what happened at your local correctional institution? Oh, so there was a story uh, circulating that uh, uh, sort of the most interesting thing that's happened in Prince Edward Island from a criminal law perspective is that during the pandemic, uh, there was an escape from our uh, correctional institution. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that uh, there's only one way off Prince Edward Island and the Confederation Bridge was closed. So uh, perhaps not the foresight you would expect uh, from a prison break. 
and uh, it is an incredibly small place. So uh, the two gentlemen did not get far. In fact, uh, one of them was located at the closest motel to the correctional center, having checked in. So they were not difficult to uh, to locate. Um, and with the bridge closed, um, they were going to be found out eventually. So that was the excitement in Prince Edward Island so far. So a short-lived prison break attempt uh, in the light of a pandemic. Exactly. Front page <laughs> news and PEI. I believe it. All right. Well, uh, stay safe out there. Thanks so much for joining us and hopefully everything's back to normal for us all soon. Thanks for having me. Joel Pink, esteemed and legendary counsel from Nova Scotia, here to update us on how the courts in Nova Scotia are reacting to COVID. How are you, Joel? Uh, I'm fine. I mean, I'm under, I'm under house arrest at home. Um, now I really understand what, you know, my clients go through when they're under house arrest. At least under house arrest, you can have visitors, but being the way things are now, you're at home, period, by yourself, wife, or and that's it. Your grandchildren can come visit once in a while, but they got to be at a distance and you meet in the garage. But anyway, as far as the courts go, as of uh, March the 16th, uh, the courts were basically closed down. Uh, the Chief Justice, uh, Chief Justice Wood, uh, closed down all courts um, in the province for the months of April and May. And what they have done in here is that, especially in the provincial court, any arraignments um, scheduled for those two months any trials scheduled for those two months have all been adjourned until the month of June, at which time we will have to appear at that time and set new dates. Now, just prior to the closing down of the courts, we were setting cases well into November and December in the provincial court. So that means by the time we get to reschedule, it'll probably be 2021 before we can get any of these trials on. Now, as far as the Supreme Court goes, they've canceled all cases. Uh, they are only hearing emergency bail review applications. Now, in the provincial court, they are still doing bail applications, but all by consent, and it's all done by telephone. And mm -hmm. if the accused is in the correctional center, then, of course, what they do is they do a video to the judge, uh, to the courtroom, and then they both sides, the Crown and the defense, will have their say but normally it's only in the issues of uh, consent bail applications will they allow them to go ahead. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think one thing we're learning from this whole process is that the courts are gonna have to really take a long, hard look at videotape, uh, video conferencing and things of that sort. So something like this is not gonna happen again. Right, right. So what are you doing about you know, non-consent bails? Is there any mechanism for having those be heard by audio? Um, they are, but I have been told by those who are involved that it is very difficult mm -hmm. because the accused normally is in the correctional center and they will do the hearing. And normally what defense counsel has to do is come up with proper sureties. They have to file proper forms with the court in advance and then, of course, you, you'll make your argument before the, before the court as to why your client should be released. Yes, it is happening, but um, my understanding is, is that all violent offenders are remaining inside. Mm. They're not getting bailed. 
But I can also tell you that in the provincial court, they are in fact doing resolution conferences. Uh, they're doing pretrial conferences still uh, by video. So those are still going ahead. And there are certain exceptions where they will in fact take a plea if in fact there's a consent sentence at the other end. So, you know, things are being done, but probably not as rapidly as we would like to see them done. Mm. And do you have any sense, Joel, of what uh, will happen with jury trials that are scheduled for say the fall? I would suspect, and we won't know this until June, but um, if they are scheduled already, I suspect that they will go ahead, unless of course they you know, close down the courts again. Um, so therefore, um, anything in the fall, July, August, September, I expect will go ahead as scheduled. It's the ones that were scheduled for April and May that's going to be some difficulties because um, there's just uh, no dates available. I mean, they were setting down jury trials for next February, March, 2021. So God knows when they will go ahead. I mean, the whole justice system, I expect, is going to be very congested uh, when it hits the month of June. And the courts are going to have to work us through, keeping in mind, of course, Jordan and Cody. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today. That's some helpful insight into what's going on. It sounds like Nova Scotia is on a similar path to Ontario right now. And I, I hope we do manage to figure out how to deal with the crazy scheduling issues that I know are coming for all of us come June or September or whenever, I suppose. Yeah, the courts are going to have a, a big problem. I just can see it. And how they're going to handle it, time will only tell. Thanks, Joel. It's the winner of the 2019 Walter Owen Book Prize. It has been described as an invaluable resource to the entire legal community in Canada by the chair of the Canadian Foundation for Legal Research. Expand your knowledge about Indigenous identity, best practices, courts, and Gladue reports with Indigenous people and the criminal justice system, a practitioner's handbook by Jonathan Rudin. To learn more and order your copy today, visit emon.ca slash indigenous. For our listeners, Emon is offering 10% off. Just visit emon.ca slash indigenous and enter code Lawyers Lounge at checkout. Bob Buckingham, Senior Counsel in Newfoundland, please fill us in on what's been happening during the pandemic in the criminal courts in Newfoundland. So, Bob, you were you were saying that uh, before we started recording that your province is very experienced with video hearings. Can you elaborate? Tell me more about that. Well, our, our Supreme Court, uh, in, in particular, uses uh, uses video uh, in various jurisdictions and with respect to uh, with respect to hearings. Our provincial court, as well, uses video in terms of uh, appearances from from uh, from the penitentiary, and so. Um, our courts are, are spread out over a wide geographic area. And so they have some experience with respect to utilizing video because we're an island and oftentimes in, in criminal cases, witnesses are appearing from, uh, from the mainland um, and whether they be expert witnesses such as DNA people or, or other witnesses. I had a, a, a client, uh, I had a case where I had a witness who appeared on a murder charge by, by video from, uh, um, from, Vancouver, from Edmonton. So our, our courts are used to it, um, but only for only for very discreet uh, issues and, and, and points, and not so and not so much for long 
uh, you know, uh, issues that, that would involve uh, a lot of evidence and, and credibility and things of that nature. So, but we are used to having a facility set up and the, and the courts work through the, uh, the medical department at the university. And as well, our courts have, our Supreme Court, a court of appeal, has sort of a virtual courtroom and now at the, uh, through the university. And so that, uh, which they announced, which they told us about last week, and then the provincial court, sorry, and the Supreme Court is looking at something similar. But that's of a different nature. Um, so we're used to it in that usually every day there might be something happening by video, uh, but, a, but a, a bits and pieces, but a full trial and full hearing, we're not quite there yet. Well, that, that's, that's very interesting. And, and um, kind of consistent with what we've been hearing from some of the, the, the um, jurisdictions like yours that spread across a wide geography. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's interesting to hear that places like Nunavut are uh, more prepared than uh, some of the southern provinces to, to deal with the technological shift. It's very interesting. Well, you know, uh, as I said earlier, the, uh, the technological shift is a combination of, of, of the old way of doing things, which is bureaucratically entrenched along with judges and staff, uh, along with the legal thinking of, you know, we do things by increment as opposed to in a big way. And so uh, there's a combination of those things have come to in, 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 you know, influence and impact and, uh, in, and tell us what the, what the, uh, the thinking is within, within the system. And so um, that's, uh, um, and so when you have that uh, happening, then nothing's going to happen. In our jurisdiction, necessity meant we had to develop some, uh, some uh, uh, alternate ways of, of hearing applications, for instance, and things of that nature. So we do that. I had two bail hearings uh, during COVID, continuation of one with respect to a murder case and another, and another one that were done with COVID, we, we ended them, we ended the, the, both of them by phone. And so no visual, but we had the, judge, the judges at home, we were at home, uh, clients were at the penitentiary and uh, the Crown were at, were at home. We did it, we did it by, we did it by phone on both of those. Hmm. Well, very interesting. Thank you, Bob. And uh, any word on jury trials? Well, that's my bailiwick because I have uh, four jury trials coming up, uh, two of which are murder trials, which have already been rescheduled for other reasons. Uh, and, one is, and one is a sexual assault trial, which is supposed to happen the week of uh, COVID. And so, and I have, uh, those trials are gonna be set for the next two years. And I'm, uh, I'm at a loss. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday with the four chief judges or four chief judges from, from Atlantic Canada. I posed the question and there's no, idea when we're going to start with jury trials or how they're going to take place. That is a real problem. Mm. And uh, for people like me who have really, uh, in the next two years, most of that's uh, assigned to jury trials is very problematic. And, uh, and, and there's just no, no idea if there's a way to, to conduct those jury trials while uh, maintaining social distancing, I guess. Uh, no. And it's been very challenging. I know the chief judge uh, here in, uh, in Newfoundland, uh, Justice Whalen, has indicated he has contacted the office of the chief medical officer to uh, get some lead. Mm. And also they're looking at, uh, when it comes to staff in the courts, they're looking at occupational health and safety legislation and labor standards to see if there's any direction they can get from them with respect to staff members. But I, uh, social distancing in a jury trial 
in, a, in an era of non-vaccine is um, problematic. And uh, from my perspective, when I look at it, near impossible. Mm. And I, I, have, I have concerns uh, personally and for everyone else involved in the, in the process. And Bob, can you tell me how, uh, how you guys are doing in terms of e-filing, electronic filing of documents? Well, everything was shut down, uh, in, in, including the court system itself. All filings were, were shut down as well. And we amended various, uh, the government amended various legislation with respect to uh, limitation periods. And uh, so there's interim legislation with respect to that. The courts are now opening that up to do uh, electronic filing. Uh, they're permitting uh, applications to be filed, uh, affidavits to be filed without, uh, without being signed and sworn, and uh, with, with an undertaking by counsel to, to uh, complete them uh, at a later date. And so that's happening. Uh, in our Supreme Court, uh, they just came out with a, a notice last week that they're going to open up starting uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, and on the, with respect to matters that can be heard really without appearances, so things such as uh, bankruptcy, uh, act matters and also probate matters so that they're starting they're starting to do that and i think there's going to have to be something done very soon in family law with respect to uh, uh, custody and access and, and par parenting arrangements mm. i guess as it would be more politically correct to be called under the divorce act and, and provincial legislation mm. well okay thanks bob um that's very helpful and uh and we wish you uh very good luck with those those jury trials in the next two years Thank you again to all of our guests for joining us from across the country today. Bob Buckingham in Newfoundland, Joel Pink in Nova Scotia, Jonathan Cody in PEI, Jamie McConnell in New Brunswick, Lita Norai in Quebec, Daniel Brown in Ontario, Jerry Weeb in Manitoba, Jay Watson in Saskatchewan, Deborah Hatch in Alberta, Kevin Westall in BC, Vincent La Rochelle in the Yukon, Kate Oya in the Northwest Territories, and Lana Walker in Nunavut. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next time on the podcast when we're joined by Harpreet Saini, who will talk to us about the challenges of parenting and being a criminal defense lawyer, and Michael Lacey, who will talk to us about the status of litigation to challenge Bill C-75. Hope you'll join us then. The Lawyer's Lounge is produced, engineered, and edited by Alex Ross of Never Sleeps Network. Directed and published by Dana Haas and marketing by Jordan Bloom. My name is Paul Emond. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lawyer's Lounge. We at Emond Publishing are committed to providing best-in-class criminal law content, including our award-winning criminal law series, edited by Brian Greenspan and Justice Rondinelli, new initiatives like The Lawyer's Lounge podcast, as well as our Emond exam prep resources and criminal law casebooks for law students. 